winner winner chicken dinner. Colorado State men's basketball responding in a big way. Everybody was panicking, everybody was freaking out after that game against St. Mary's, and I kept trying to tell everyone, relax, take a deep breath, weird stuff happens in small sample sizes. It's been a weird six weeks. What do you know? They respond. We're talking about that win today. I'm stoked to get into all of it. But first, I gotta tell you about my friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier. Mike and Virginia are a husband and wife duo with over 15 years of financial service experience. And sure, you're probably hearing, you know, how great these mortgage rates are, but Mike and Virginia, they're not just your typical mortgage company. Sure, they have phenomenal rates, but what makes them really different is that Mike is a certified financial planner. He looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, so you can feel like you're a person, not a number. I love that. Whether you're looking at refinancing your current mortgage or buying a new home, Mike and Virginia, they'll make the process as simple and smooth as possible. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. If you're feeling a little bit more personable, you want to talk to somebody on the phone, give Mike a call directly. Call him at 970 970- 412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. I thought our guys responded with just a, a lot of toughness and grit. And, you know, you knew after that game at St. Mary's, as poorly as we played on offense, we weren't just going to flip a light switch and start, and start going. And um, I thought we had some just great looks early and just wouldn't go down but you almost knew it was going to be that way but i thought our guys just fought like crazy we just kept defending um finally we caught to go down i thought uh john tanjay coming in sparked us with a couple of big shots that way we just kind of grinded it out and as the game went on and on um i thought we played better and better um but clearly right now our defense is ahead of our offense and i don't think that's a bad thing because i think we're going to be a good offensive team here before it's all said and done and you know, the other thing we were forced to go to that small lineup, you know, it's something that we had talked about here and Deshaun picked up two quick fouls and we decided to go to the small lineup quickly. And I thought it was really, really effective uh, um, for us. And we really spread them out and uh, we're able to really create an advantage. Obviously uh, another slow start from three point you mentioned, just given how that St. Mary's game went, it was kind of expected, but it evened out in the second half. Did you think that was just a matter of, you know, them getting a feel for the game? Kind of tough to get in the flow with all those whistles though. Don't get me in trouble there. I, I just I, I thought it was uh, thought it was pretty tough there early in the second half. I think it was eight to nothing at one point. Uh, my staff probably saved me from getting into trouble there, but but we battled through it. Just what you have to do, and and um, yeah, I mean we we just we haven't shot the ball well. But I, I again maybe I'm crazy, but maybe like last year, I just don't. I'm not concerned about our three point shooting. I mean I just I think that's going to come around for us as we get in a flow and maybe have a little bit better understanding where our shots are coming from guys being shot ready, maybe guys trying to be too perfect. Um, but I, but I, I, again, I think that's going to be a strength of ours and we made just enough here to get it done. Just the kind of mindset of winning games like this when, when, you know, kind of grind it out type of games, is that something that you really wanted out of these two games as you both get your legs under you and two, they kind of feel like conference games almost with how, how they played out a little bit. 
yeah, I mean, is there two teams from a good league, you know, that are, are, are good. And I mean, that's, what's going to help you get ready for conference play, which is just around the, the corner. And yeah, I mean, you got to find a way to win games in a lot of different ways if you want to be a really good team. And, you know, again, I'll keep saying it. It's no secret that we need to improve on the defensive end. Um, and now we're going to have to improve on the offensive end too, but I believe that we will. Um, I think it's some of it's just a timing thing and a feel for how different people are guarding us. Um, but you got to have that tougher mindset um, that we have. And I, I thought that that was such a positive for us tonight. I mean, we stayed together. We kept competing. Uh, we had a grit about us and didn't let the frustration of not making shots or, you know, whatever other circumstances that are going on in the game, we just kept guarding. And so th this was a really good win for us. And we just kind of outlasted them and we pulled away down the stretch. And that was really good to see. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about how with this weird season, everything going on, it, you know, you may not even know exactly, you know, when you're kind of hitting full stride, but how, how much closer to where you need to be going into Mountain West play do you think you are now uh, after the two California games here? Man, I think we're, we're definitely further ahead than we were, you know, six days ago from, from playing two, two good teams like this. You know, I don't, I don't know that we're in the form that we need to. I mean, typically, right, what do you play, 12, you know, 13 games, and sometimes it takes you time to figure out a rotation to get young guys' minutes, uh, pick up the speed of the game, but that's what it is, and we're not alone in that. You know, other teams are, are facing the same thing. Um, but, but what I will say is I believe this group is going to continue to improve, and that's the mindset. We're going to continue to get better and better and better, um, and I think by February, you know, we have a chance to be a pretty salty team. A pretty salty team. I love that quote. I really do. One, you know, it's it's like a, a good catch, good catchy quote. You can, you know, put in a headline or something like that. But it's true. When you watch this team, it's true. And I know that I know that it can be frustrating. I mean, that St. Mary's game was tough. The the first 10 minutes or so of of the Santa Clara game was pretty tough. But this team, they showed great resiliency. And that matters, especially in a sport like basketball. Look at San Diego State. They got beat down at home by a pretty good BYU team nonetheless. But, you know, everyone, they overreacted. The voters, they dropped San Diego State out of their top 25. What do they do? They come back and they beat the living hell out of St. Mary's. Weird stuff happens in small sample sizes, especially especially in college basketball. And, and look, I, I get why everybody was freaking out. 33 points in a single game is absurd. It was, it was crazy. I mean, there are off nights, and then there are off nights, and that's what they had against St. Mary. I mean, they, they, could, <laughs> they couldn't make anything, man. It was, it was a lot like watching a rec center game, honestly, especially in the, both ha in the second half when... You know, neither team could buy a bucket. It was, it was one of those where I was like, oh, I kind of understand the, the people that only watch the NBA now because this is a brutal product. But it, it's going to happen, especially in a weird year like this one. Every team is going to respond differently, differently. You know, sure, there's the Gonzagas of the world who can come back from a couple-week hiatus and just absolutely light it up. But they're the most talented team in the entire country. 
That's not that realistic. They are not the norm. We're four games into the weirdest season in college basketball history. I mean, aside from last year, I guess, where the tournament just got canceled out of the blue. But at least we got an entire season before that. CSU's offense, they're going to get there. We're going to talk about that more, you know, throughout this throughout this episode. All right, real quick, let's jump into some of these numbers. CSU, they won the game 70-57, to 57, shot 42% from the field, pretty good, 25 of 60, especially given the start. 31% from three, 10 of 32, not tremendous, but it evened out in the second half, kind of like uh, two games ago. 77% from the line, 10 of 13, not amazing, but not bad. If you shoot 75% as a team, I think you're going to be pretty happy with that most of the time. Uh, 14 turnovers by CSU, way too many. What really stood out to me in particular was they had nine in the first half. So they they did they did smoothen some things out in the second half. Uh, one of the weird things was, though, they had nine turnovers in that first half. Zero steals were forced by Santa Clara. So basically, you know, it was all travels, and they had a couple guys step out of bounds with the basketball, and I think they had a couple moving screens, and, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. That's just two double dribbles they had. That's just the product of rust. It really, really is. You could just kind of see it. Like, they're in transition. Guys that are normally very comfortable with the basketball, and they're they're just kind of tightening up. You know, they're second-guessing themselves a little bit. And they just got to play games. They just got to play games. There's no simulation for a real game atmosphere. And even worse than that, CCU hasn't even gotten to practice that much. So these guys, they're just, they're trying to get in a groove. They're trying to get back in that feel of things. Normally you have all kinds of non-conference games. You get to beat the hell out of a bunch of bad teams usually first. I mean, if you're a premier team, you might play somebody big or maybe you get a bye game or something like that. But it's just been weird circumstances. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to necessarily just sell everything that the coaching staff says. But I do agree with Medved that this team is going to be good offensively. I just think they have too much talent. And I, I just think it would be crazy to, to think that the lack of practice and the weird circumstances haven't been a factor. How couldn't they be? How couldn't they be? Just think about it. A couple of more stats before I get into the takeaways here. Uh, one of the things I really liked from an offensive standpoint, it had a lot of different guys contributing. Kendall Moore had 12 points on 5 of 10 shooting from the field. Efficient. Isaiah Stevens had 14 points on 5 of 9 shooting from the field. Efficient. David Roddy had 16 points on 6 of 13 from the field. Efficient. You get the point. Thistlewood, 10 points on 4 of 9 shooting. Efficient. Efficiency, baby. John Tanjay, 12 points, 3 of 9 from the field, 3 threes. Perfect. Also got to the line and, and, you know, picked up some crucial free throws because he's just an aggressive dude. I'm actually writing about that. I really, really enjoy his mindset. He's the perfect dude for that six-man role. And I know everybody wants to be a starter, but the reality is you need more than five players. And if you can get people that are willing to come in and play their role and do it right, and it seems like Tanjay is willing to do that, man, you can be dangerous. That was always what made some of those CSU teams that made the tournament Special, they had the reserve guys that could come in. It wasn't just the starters. I mean, think about Daniel Bejarano. He started as a sixth man. Antoine Scott started as a sixth man. Gian Clavel started as a sixth man. These were all great scorers. And I don't want to put those kind of expectations on him right away. 
But I just think we see some of that mindset with him. And, and I'd be willing to bet we get a game this year where Tanjay drops 20 off the bench. I think it's going to happen. And it, it might be the reason they win a game. Hopefully it is. Hopefully it's not you know, a blowout loss or something like that. But that dude's a killer. And I love watching him play. You would like to see, you know, James Moores, uh, maybe P.J. Bird, some of these other guys, Isaiah Rivera, score a little bit more off the bench. It's going to happen over time. But yesterday, you know, Tanjay, he filled that role. He stepped up. Another area where CSU really stepped up, I thought, on the glass, they definitely had a size disparity. They were in crazy foul trouble. The refs, they were just calling an absurdly tight game. And they kept it tight. You know, Santa Clara, they won the advantage 43-39. to but given the height advantage, given the circumstances, given the officiating, and I'm not saying like the officiating was the reason that you know CSU would have lost or something like that. It was just a tight game. If you watched it, both sides, they were calling fouls all over the place. It's tough in that situation, especially when you're trying to be aggressive and, and box out and go for rebounds and all that stuff. But in order for CSU to be a good team in transition, which I've said multiple times, should be you know their strength, you got to rebound. That's, you know, what starts it all. So it's encouraging to see that they're rebounding and even more encouraging to see that they're rebounding as a team, much like the scoring. Kendall Moore had four boards. Isaiah Stevens had four. You know, DT had five. Roddy had eight. Thistlewood had eight. Tanjay had five. Bird had one. Morris had two. Rivera had one. Every single player that played had at least one rebound. And that should be a goal for every single game. Your bigs, they should shoulder the majority of that burden. But there are going to be times, like against Santa Clara, where CSU, they're kind of outsized. And in those situations, you kind of need those bigs to just hold the bigger, you know, the fives on the other team out, box them out, create a situation where guys like Thistlewood, where the guards can come crashing, create opportunities for your teammates. Unselfish basketball. It's what it's all about. And that's kind of a theme with this CSU team. They play really unselfishly, and, and I'm very encouraged by that. Even with, you know, the lack of jump shots and all that, because it's going to fall eventually. They will. They're just too good not to. I know that's not that, you know, and it's not that apt of analysis. I'm not saying anything that's going to blow anyone's minds or anything like that. Good players will eventually make shots. That's the truth, though. It is. A couple of takeaways and observations here. Yeah, the small lineup was really, really effective in this game. DT picked up a couple of really early fouls. I thought they were kind of ticky-tacky, but you know they, they picked him up. James Moore's kind of got, looks like he rolled his ankle or something early, had to leave for a few minutes, and the Rams had to go to that small lineup. And they, they, they kind of made it work. I mean, when they go to that small lineup, they should really be able to play fast. That was encouraging. You don't want them to have to go to it you know, out of necessity. It should be more of like an attack thing. But it is good to know that if they have to do it, they can handle it, especially against a bigger team like Santa Clara, which is kind of like a nice simulation for you know some of the taller teams that you're going to face, like a San Diego State. Teams that just have great length down low. I will say a couple of things that need to improve as far as CSU's bigs. The Rams had zero second chance points in that game, and that's definitely concerning. I mean, you want to at least have, I got, I don't know, like 6 to 12-ish. Just create opportunities. That's big. I mean, that can really be back-breaking if the Rams would have been able to throw a couple of those out there probably pull that game away a little bit earlier than they did. Nonetheless, that'll come. I really liked that DT stayed aggressive. They were calling it tight, you know, 
both sides, especially in the second half. And that's where Medved got kind of mad, supposedly kicked a chair. I don't know how the broadcast didn't show it. It was amateur hour with that broadcast. I'm not trying to throw shade, but you couldn't hear the commentators. And then the commercials would come in and, and the volume would be eight times as loud. And they didn't cut anything. It looks like they had about two cameras. I get that it's, you know, COVID low budget. I'm just thankful we had a way to watch the game. So I shouldn't complain too much, but it, it was not great. DT, he's going to learn over time what he can and can't get away with. I mean, guarding the other team's best bigs, that's that's a tough jump, especially from what he was doing last year where he was kind of come in and playing that change of pace guy. Now he's the guy. And I think he has the, the talent. I really do. And I love what he brings to the table offensively. But he's going to get his feet under him defensively. And I, I just like that he stayed aggressive. Look, he might foul out, but he kept going. He picked up a couple of blocks in that second half that were huge couple of other really key contests. He made it hard. Santa Clara had great length, and he made it hard on them to score on the post. You know, the Rams guards, they also did a great job of, you know, pressuring the ball and, and just not making the entry passes really easy. Really good help defense from guys like David Roddy, who came over, you know, shifted over, helped some of those bigs out. But I just liked the mindset of all these guys, and, and especially DT, given the circumstances, because, man, the refs took all the air out of that game. Super frustrating as an observer. Let him play just a little bit. <laughs> but my long-winded point here is that Santa Clara's strength, it's working the post. They only shoot about 27% from three coming in, even lower after that effort. And the Rams, they, they made them shoot threes all night and they couldn't hit them. So the Rams, they executed that game plan to perfection. And that's what you want to see. A smart team doing the dirty things, doing the little things. The dirty work, I should say. Not, you know, dirty in their action. just willing to get dirty grind I'm using cliches here just roll with it <laughs> but this Rams team they're growing we're seeing it we really are and come February come March they're gonna be that salty team that Nico Medved was talking about watching guys like Roddy like Kendall Moore God Kendall Moore has been a bulldog defensively man he might be the heart of this team he really I mean that dude gives it his all Every single second of every game. I am a massive Kendall Moore fan. He's not the biggest dude, not the strongest dude, but man, is he quick. Man, does he play hard. He plays intelligent, doesn't force up bad shots, doesn't try and force anything, can attack in transition, creates those chances with steals. He is so underrated. It's, it's crazy. We're already seeing Tanjay come in. Tanjay time. I can't do a buffer impersonation. Somebody else can send it in. Isaiah Rivera is starting to look more comfortable. He's going to be so good. I'm so excited about him, man. You can just see it. Just he, he doesn't get lost defensively, and that's so common for young players. He doesn't try and jack up dumb shots when he comes in. He just plays within the flow of the game. God, just, you know, the coaches, they talk so much about finding people that are not just talented basketball players, but are also the right fit. That is what this staff is so good at. Identifying players that are not only very talented, but are selfless. They're willing to play within the game. They're not trying to make it all about themselves. It's a great team mindset. You know, team together, it's a little bit corny, the, the phrase that they use, but it's perfect and it works for this team. So I'm not going to mock them because it's true. And then, you know, the last thing I'm going to say before I move on and talk about the Boise State situation, which heated up. 
RIP Brian Harson with the Broncos. I guess he's not dead, so that doesn't <laughs> that didn't really make sense. Anyway, <laughs> Adam Thistlewood, let him fly, baby, let him fly. At his shot release, it is so gorgeous. It, it's just the same deal. Yes, he's been a little bit off, but you can even see it in those games where he kind of starts slow and and just starts to feel it a little bit in the second half. Just keep letting him fly. They are going to fall. And they need him. They need guys like AT to shoot because it's what's going to open up everything. You have the guards that can drive. You have bigs that can pass the ball, that can score in the post, that can play with their back to the rim or down low. You have a lot of versatility on this roster. AT's got to be that lethal dude from three. He's got to pick up some crucial rebounds. He's got to be able to defend. You know, being able to stop some of these some of these shooters in the Mountain West, that's a tough draw. But AT, he's an effort guy. He's up for it. And that shot's going to fall. It really is. He, he just, he takes smart shots. That's the thing. I can live with people missing shots if they're good shots. And that's what this Rams team's been doing. You know, they're, they're not just hucking it up from all over the place. The flow, the rhythm, the timing, the release, all that stuff, it's going to come as they play more basketball. But that's what they got to do. They just got to play more basketball. And, and that sounds cheesy, but it, I mean, it, it's just true. It really is. They haven't had that much time together. And I just, I can't think of any other situation where a team would have to go basically an entire month without practicing and then just jump right back into it. I mean, it's crazy, but that's the situation that we're in right now. So just stay patient. That's my big thing. My biggest takeaway, patience. All right, let's transition and let's talk some Boise State juiciness. All right, we are talking football in just a second, but first, the 2021 basketball season is here. The teams around the league took the offseason to retool, to revamp, and now they're ready to hit the court. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has rolled out another can't-miss offer. Trying DraftKings Sportsbook is so easy, What are you waiting for? Get in on all of the action right now. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new players 100 to 1 odds on any featured matchup this week. That's right. All you got to do, bet $1 on any featured matchup. If your team wins, you're cashing $100, baby. Simple as that. While we are excited for the return of basketball, let's not forget football's playoffs. They're right around the corner. Super Bowl playoffs. We're all about it. We're into making money. I know you are too. Check out everything that they have to offer including daily odds boosts, tons of fun. Props, man, I'm stoked. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get 101 odds on any featured matchup this week. That code DNVR for new players for your shot at 101 odds on any featured matchup this week for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of DraftKings, and since we've been on the conversation of CSU men's hoops, I want to throw something your guys' way. And that, of course, is my DraftKings pick of the week. Now, if you look at the odds for CSU to win the Mountain West, it's currently plus 1,700. That is juicy, baby. That is super juicy. Now look, everybody knows it's tough to win a conference tournament. CSU's only done it one time ever. So it'll definitely be a tough run, especially in a league as talented as the Mountain West. 
But guess what? Come March, those odds are going to be nothing near that. It's going to be like plus 350, plus 400. And honestly, those are pretty good too. But plus 1700? That is amazing. So jump on that, take the value, believe in this team, bet in their ability to get better as the season goes on, and potentially get a big payout for it. CSU to win the Mountain West Tournament, plus 1700 Book it now, my DraftKings pick of the week. Finally, one more thing I got to tell you about, MSU Denver Online. Now is the time to apply. Spring classes are starting right around the corner. They start January 19th. Guys, time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturns, it's an education. It allows you to adapt. You can go into varying careers. Go and build your toolbox up at MSU Denver. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our own very staff members, including Harrison Wind, Ali Minoy, they have took some classes with MSU Denver Online. They have nothing but great things to say. Reach out to them individually if you have any questions. They will be happy to help you out. But just in case you're shy, here's a couple of things from my boy Harrison. MSU Denver Online, super engaged teachers that are extremely responsive to emails, questions, and concerns. Many of your teachers work in the same field that you're taking your class in. Love that. It's a great opportunity to network th with them as well. The course content is highly relevant. You can do it online so it's convenient. Real life skills that you can get in the workplace. No bullshit that you have to get everywhere else. It is perfect. You don't feel like you're wasting time burning money on stuff that isn't relevant to you or the subject that you're trying to study. Get in there, learn what you're trying to learn, and get on with your life. That is what MSU Denver is all about. Love them. Check it out. Again, those spring classes starting on January 19th. Well, well, well. Look how the turntables. To quote Michael Scott. Brian Harson jumping ship for Auburn. I didn't see this one coming. I, I really didn't. Uh, one, I I'm, don't think Brian Harson is an upgrade from Gus Malzahn. I mean, I talked about this on the draft podcast with my guys, you know, Andre, Hank, and Jake. Auburn is a tough gig. They've got crazy, absurd expectations. I mean, they have won a national championship since 2000, and, and Andre loves to bring that up repeatedly. But the thing is, you got to really catch lightning in a bottle. They had one of the best college football players of my lifetime in Cam Newton. Kind of, you know, kind of an anomaly in my opinion. And the reality is, you know, are you going to be able to out-recruit Saban consistently? I doubt it, especially Harson. I mean, what the, what is he going to do? He better get a killer staff, man, with all kinds of ties. He spent one season... East of the Mississippi, coaching in his entire career, 2013 at Arkansas State. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I guess he wanted out of the Mountain West so bad that he was willing to do it. I mean, I get it from a career perspective. That makes sense. I just think it's a brutal job. And I think he's going to learn pretty quickly uh, the, the expectations of SEC football and the expectations of Boise State football, which are higher than most G5s. It's it's a completely different level. It, it's not it's night and day, and, and going up against LSU, Florida, Ole Miss, from a talent perspective, that's tough. But from a recruiting perspective, that's even harder. Let's say you know you pull some guys that 
you know, just don't want to go to Alabama. You'll be able to get some guys. Auburn is a good program. I'm not trying to make it seem like it's a, it's a crappy place. It just all comes down to expectations. And for me, I just think it's really hard to out recruit Saban. I think it's hard to, you know, pull people to Auburn over places like Florida. I mean, LSU, I mean, even all Miss. I don't know. I just, that's a tough, that's a tough, tough sell in my opinion. But it's going to be interesting to see what Boise State does now, how this kind of impacts them. You know, just the other day we were talking about how they were talking this big game about trying to jump to the American. I I would imagine this at least puts some cool water on that for the time being. I will say, though, I, I see a lot of CSU fans kind of jumping and celebrating like this is going to be the end of Boise State. If they go get Andy Avalos from Oregon, I'd be kind of concerned <laughs> if I was, this, you know, if if I was you guys, I'm just saying that dude's done some pretty great things. He's a Boise State alum. He makes a ton of sense, has way more experience recruiting. Kellen Moore has come up. If I'm thinking about this purely from the perspective of the rest of the Mountain West, I hope they hire Kellen Moore because it is crazy going from, I, I think he's a brilliant football mind. I think what he's done has, is impressive. I mean, jumping all the way up to OC at his age in the NFL. Wow. You clearly got to know the game. You clearly got to be able to coach. You got to be a people person, all of that. But recruiting and, and all, everything that goes into managing a college football team, being a leader, literally a you know a, a mentor for 18-year-old, 19-year-old young men, that's a tough jump. And I'm not, I, I just feel like he'd probably be in a little bit over his head. I don't know the guy. I've never talked to him, never interacted with him. So I, I could just be way off base. Maybe he comes in and kills it. Makes me look like a look like a fool. I end up on cold takes, all that. That's fine. But if I'm betting, I'd I'd rather have it be more because I just I don't see him having as much success as Avalos would be able to step in. The other thing that'll be interesting, maybe Boise State doesn't go with a former guy. That's you know the easy one. Those are the easy candidates to identify every time. You know, it's like with CSU, it makes me think of Tony Alford. Everybody thought he was a shoe in. He didn't get the job. But uh, before we wrap up here, I would be remiss if I at least didn't bring it up. You're going to hear all kinds of coaches this season complain about the transfer rules. And to an extent, I get it. Because it's going to be really, really hard to build a program in these modern times just with the, with the freedom of movement that players are going to have. You're not going to be able to build with the same three, four-year mindset consistently that you would have, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It's just not going to be the case. Guys aren't going to play and they're going to move. And, and that's just going to be the reality. And, and that'll be tough. It, it will be. But when you see stuff like this, Brian Harson, he signed a recruiting class last week, last week, selling them on how he's going to look out for their futures, you know, come play for me. That's who you're committing to. You're committing to a coach. I mean, not just a coach. You got to really love the school. And that if you're, you know, a prospective athlete out there, I really, really recommend not committing just based on a coach because this is a perfect example why. But I mean, human to human relationships, that's a big part of what recruiting is all about. He looked all these guys, their families in the faces, told them he would be there for those guys for the next three, four years. Now he's taking a payday. Do I blame him? You know, not really. I get it. I mean, it's a career opportunity. This is the way the business works. It's nothing unique. I'm not trying to frame this situation as, look at Brian Harson. He's this terrible dude. I mean, he's doing what countless other coaches will do and continue to do. 
But loyalty goes both ways. It really, really does. And considering coaches can leave at any point, I just have a hard time listening to them, you know, bitch and moan about players being able to move because why shouldn't they? If coaches have that same flexibility, why shouldn't the players? That's my thought. That's my two cents. I get it's going to create some sticky situations. I get that it's going to be harder to build a roster, create continuity, all that stuff. But good coaches, they'll figure it out. They will. That's my two cents. I'll be curious to see how he does, though. I'm going to enjoy, as an Alabama fan, I'm licking my chops right now. So I'm just being honest. With Harson going to Boise State, as an, as an Alabama guy, I'm all about that. Really looking forward to it. But I will be talking plenty of hoops. I'll have more content. We'll take a couple of days off with the holidays. Hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas, very happy holidays. You know, whatever you celebrate, I just hope that you get to enjoy a couple of days, get to enjoy some time with the family. It's been a tough year. It really, really has. All right, guys, stay safe out there. Love you all. Peace.